<laughs> Number 459. Good morning. Welcome to Blessed Hill Church of Christ Assembly. Morning, any brothers and sisters out there in uh, uh, internet land that are watching? <laughs> Four, five, nine, stepping in the light. <laughs> trying to walk in the steps of the Savior, trying to follow our Savior in vain, shaping our lives by His blessed example. Happy, how happy the songs that we bring. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior. Stepping in the light, stepping in the light. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior. Planning paths of life. Pressing more closely to Him who is leading when we are tempted to turn from the way. Trusting the arm that is strong to defend us. Happy, how happy our praises each day. How beautiful to walk in the steps of your Savior. Stepping in the light, stepping in the light. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior. Let in plants of life. Walking in footsteps of gentle forbearance. Footsteps of faithfulness, mercy, and love. Looking to Him for the grace freely promised. Happy, how happy our journey above. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior. Stepping in the light, stepping in the light. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior. Let Father, we thank you once again that we are able to gather together in this place. Uh, so very uh, comfortable uh, morning. I love the, the fresh air and uh, all the fellowship, all the folks that have showed up here today to honor you and to be encouraged and uh, to be built up for the battle ahead. May we uh, truly have our eyes wide open. There is certainly a battle raging around us. And uh, we need to take take seriously the, the call. And uh, Morning. Am I on? Okay. It's great to be back. How many of you say it's great to be alive? Amen. All right. How many have hiked 12 grueling miles and at the last of your grueling 12 miles... You realize you've ran out of water and you still have two miles to go. 
that was my experience. I'll tell you that um, both my brother and I ran out of water. We were in a very dangerous place. And uh, it's kind of weird because you really start thinking about how you don't know if you're going to see the next day. And I had some really weird thoughts, like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And that's the first time in my life where I really thought that. Even in rolling down the hill uh, last year, I didn't have those thoughts. This time I did, uh, because we were in a place where I didn't know if we could get to water. And so it's important that you not take life for granted. You know, you make one choice or decision and you may end up finding yourself in that situation. So I'll tell you what, this was a very interesting vacation. Uh, I was praying for God's safety on my way home and I was almost killed on I-84 uh, because of traffic going all over the place and uh, almost got crushed by an 18-wheeler. So it was kind of interesting. I prayed when I started because I was going, you know, you don't know if you're going to get home, so I'm going to pray I get home. And so, uh, you know what, we need to be careful about taking life for granted. I pray that you won't. I pray that you don't have to learn it the way I learned it here the last few days. But I pray that we won't take for granted the life that we have. Because, you know, it can be taken away in just a heartbeat, right? So my prayer is, is that we would really recognize how important it is for us to be committed to serving the Lord all the time, every day, every moment. Because one of those moments is going to be your last. And so please, I want to beg you to, to be mindful of that. That shook me up. In fact, last night my wife thought I was a little weird. And maybe my three sons and their friends thought I was weird. But they were driving up to Corvallis to get Cold Stone ice cream for Ryan's birthday celebration. And I just had a bad feeling in my head. You know what? Highway 99, you know, Saturday night, you got drunks, you got druggies, you have people playing on their cell phones, cell phone games, and then you just have the knucklehead that doesn't know how to drive. And so uh, Highway 99, you know, usually don't go the speed limit. So again, I was freaking out. So I text, text, hey, would you please make sure that these boys drive careful? So uh, brethren, pray that we would be mindful all the time about the brevity of life. Thankful for Blake. I'm uh, thankful for Blake for being a man of a grow, growing faith and faithfulness. May you continually grow into the leader not only of your family, but also in the family of God. Amen. Let's give it up for Blake. Miss Justine, you have an amazing personality and so, are such a blessing. I'm going to add to a whole bunch of us. You give great hugs and you are a great encouragement. Amen. Let's give it up for Justine. Ken and Pam Weinberg, I appreciate all that you do consistently to build and bless the body of Christ. You are both a huge blessing and example. Amen and amen for both of you. That was great. All right. Uh, it looks like Ken's the rock star today. Ken, so thankful for you, the blessing you are, and your lessons uh, on Nehemiah with a great, big, great heart. So that's awesome. This is a cool one. Pleasant Hill Church Christ family, thankful for the very warm welcome my family and I received approximately one year ago. Great to be a part of God's family. Continue to, to, to show the love of Jesus to all those who come through those doors. Amen. Rick. Thank you, Rick. We love your family. We're glad to be here. Sharon. 
Sharon, Sharon, my lovely bride. I didn't write this, but it's pretty sweet. You are such an encouragement to me, that, to me too. Uh, you have a servant's heart and a beautiful smile. Thanks for making me feel welcome at Pleasant Hill, Angie. Woohoo! All right, thanks, Angie. That was great. That was awesome. So let's get to some announcements real quick. Uh, uh, today, this evening, evening assembly will be at the Kirkpatrick's, and Kirk will be preaching. Monday night, we have a college-age barbecue scheduled tomorrow, 545, for all the college-age kids. And then we're going to have a lesson at 630. Our guest speaker that we're flying in is going to be here next Monday night. So hopefully you can be there next Monday night. I guarantee you won't want to miss it. Uh, and talking with this gentleman, uh, his life story really fits what we've been studying on habits of formation and bad company destroys uh, good morals. That's a habit. Get in the habit of not hanging with the dummies. Anyway, so uh, his life story made me cry three times as we were talking about his life story. He's going to share that. And uh, so, so important for us, whether we're young or old. Wednesday night, family fellowship dinner, uh, 6 o'clock at the Kirkpatrick's. And then we're going to have evening assembly at 7 at the Kirkpatrick's. Uh, Thursday, ladies study, 7 p.m. I had a flyer, and I don't have it right now, uh, in regards to a ladies game night. So if we could have someone bring that up, that'd be great. Uh, all gentlemen in the Pleasant Hill Church body, uh, I don't know, some of you enjoy going to, to uh, G4 Summit, but in light of the heat and the forest uh, shutting down, we might have to do Plan B. Now, Plan B will probably allow us to have fires in our fire pits because you can do those in an improved uh, uh, campground. So stay tuned. I'm sending out an email this week letting you know uh, what it looks like for G4 Summit. So I will let you know. And then please let me know thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, honestly, no judgment there. If you can't make it, if you don't want to make it, whatever, I'm okay with that. It'd be nice to know who's coming, especially after you have to get campsites for that. So let me know if you're coming and we'll work on getting campsites. All right, ladies, game night. Emma and Miriam will be hosting the ladies for a finger food potluck and game night on Friday, August 6th. Join us for a time of fellowship, game playing, and yummy food. I would say because Scott and Elijah are gone, but I'm not going to say that. All right. We will start 4 p.m. and wrap up around 7.30. If you have a favorite game, you're welcome to bring it. Please bring something yummy to share, sweet, savory, or both smiley face. Uh, please let us know via messenger or text or in person if you're planning on joining us. All right. Great. That's exciting. Thank you for doing that. That's great. Uh, let's see. Uh, birthday, birthday, my son Andrew uh, on Tuesday of this week was born 26, 7 years ago. Wow, you can't get old. That means your dad is ancient. Wow, okay, so anyway, all right, so Tuesday this week. So, anybody else got a birthday coming up this week? We can sing happy birthday too. All right, here we go. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. <laughs> yeah, I like that guy a little bit, so. All right, so let's grab our Bibles and turn to John chapter 13. Gospel of John uh, chapter 13. I got everything taken care of, right? All the announcements, everything 
uh, particulars and stuff would be great. Yes, Ken. Yes. Ah. Yeah. So give her a give her a give her a shout out or a call. No way. That's as scary as twenty seven. She can't be seventeen. Wow. Okay. All right. Well. All right. We're we're moving on. <laughs> All right. So overcoming bitterness to preserve or persevere through love. Overcoming bitterness to persevere through love. Bitterness kills love. Bitterness is poison. It's kryptonite to love. And so we got we to gotta get rid of it. We got to cure it. We got to get it out of our lives. And bitterness can jump in pretty easily and it will destroy love. So let's take a look here. John 13 verses 34 to 35. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Why? Because by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know this... This is my commandment that you love one another, that your joy may be full. That song we used to sing when we were kids. That's a scripture verse. You want joy in your life? Learn to love like Jesus and learn to love one another like Jesus. If we all did that, there'd be great joy. Now look at the next one. 1 John chapter 2. Little John, right near the end. 1 John chapter 2, beginning there in verse 7. Another great passage of scripture in regards to love one another. First uh, John uh, chapter two, verse seven through eleven. Here's what here's what the the apostle says. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. By that, by the way, that commandment is to love one another, even as Jesus has loved you. So I'm not writing an old commandment. He says here. But then he says, the old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light, capital L, is already shining. The one who says he is in the light, capital L, and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, capital L, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Wow, what a bad place to be. In the darkness. And if you don't love your brother because of bitterness or whatever else, well, you're in the wrong place. And I'm not saying this is the wrong place, this body of Christ. I'm saying you're in the wrong place in your relationship with God. And so finally, the last scripture is so important this morning, and we're going to focus on each of those just a little bit. And so in the book of Ephesians and chapter uh, 4, the very end of the chapter, and we're going to read into chapter 5, a very, very powerful passage of scripture, actually, beginning in verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption, the day of salvation. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed. You're sealed in heaven. Your salvation is secure because of the Holy Spirit. Do not uh, grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor uh, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God 
in Christ also has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Let's pray. Lord, we need to learn to love like your son Jesus. Our lives, our, our conduct, our behavior, our words, our actions, everything really needs to manifest the love of Jesus Christ. The sacrifice of self for the beloved, those around us that you love, we are to love with your love. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see that today. But also, too, we'd recognize that bitterness can creep in so easily. A word said can cause an offense. And if that offense festers, it will cause bitterness. And that bitterness is like gangrene and it will grow. And Father, we need to make sure that we do not have any of that creep into our lives. It's easily done, unfortunately. The devil is a master at planting seeds of bitterness through words that were said that weren't meant a certain way or looks or, or things done that weren't done intentionally. Satan is horrible and he is a master of bitterness. But you, Holy Father, have given us a spirit of love. And Father, we're so deeply thankful. Help us to walk in the light as you are in the light, that we might love one another, especially in these challenging times, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, in Matthew 24, you well know that Jesus was concerned when persecution comes upon the church, the church oftentimes, the man or woman of God oftentimes, will grow cold in their love. Jesus was concerned about that, and he shared that in Matthew chapter 24. The love of many will grow cold, he said, and it actually happened that way in 70 AD. What a horrible thing. But you know what? I've actually seen that happen before as well. In my short lifetime as a Christian, the last 40 years of my life, I've actually seen that happen in people's lives. When persecution comes upon them, they basically exit from giving themselves the church and pretty soon they're out, which is a horrible thing. And so it's important for us to recognize Jesus was saying, look, the love of many will grow cold when the pressure of persecution, the pressure of challenge and, and difficulties come. The second thing I want to share with you this morning is that, that we need to be very, very mindful of what Jesus said. Those who are cold or lukewarm uh, in their devotion and love for Christ and his people, they're going to be vomited out of his mouth. That's found in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Man, if, the, if your love for one another grows cold, how, how can you be then a Christian? Because remember, as a child of light, you're to walk in love even as Christ has loved you. And so these are serious lessons, brethren. When the, when the crush comes, whether it be worldwide or just in your personal life, maybe in the context of this little body, it could be that bitterness grows in and then your love grows cold. It's unfortunately how it works oftentimes. And so I'm just kind of warning you this morning, get the bitterness out. Don't let bitterness in, but invest yourself fully in loving one another because that's how we're going to be grown together as one body inseparable, no matter what happens. Now, let's really jump into it this morning. Look at point number one. Our salvation depends 
on our loving one another. And I would even say the salvation of those around us depends on our loving one another. We know that from the scripture. Jesus commanded us to love one another. John 13, 34. Jesus said, if you love him, you will keep his commandments. John 14, 15. If you love Jesus, you'll keep his commandments. And what's his commandment? Love one another, even as I have loved you. Do you love Jesus? You know how you know you love Jesus? is by the way you love other Christians. You know, there's a lot of scripture in 1 John chapter 3 and 4 about if you don't love the brethren, you can't love God. You're just fooling yourself. So it's important that we recognize that the, the commandment of God is to love one another. And he has shared that that's a critical piece. And if we love them, we'll, we'll love one another. Jesus said Christians will be judged worthy of heaven because they loved him by loving the brethren. Let me say that again. Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46, Christians will be judged worthy of heaven because they loved him by loving the brethren. Go back and check that out. Remember, he says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. And the sheep are going to step up. And he says, blessed you, O the Father, enter into the kingdom. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and I was in cold and outside and you brought me in and you took care of me. All of those things. And he says, when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Guess what? We need to learn to love each other simply, hands-on, practical. Building a gazebo over at Jeff's place, that's a really a demonstration of love. And then him feeding you good food, from what I heard from a lot of people, it was really great. That's a demonstration of love. That's called good fellowship, see? And all of it so that we could see the beautiful Carly uh, be married. That's so exciting. What a beautiful picture. All of that together, the church working together, loving each other. Beautiful picture. Now, Jesus said through uh, uh, Jesus said through John the Apostle, if we hate our brother, we abide in darkness. But if we love our brother, we dwell in the light as he himself is in the light. Kind of sounds like God's calling us to love one another. What do you think? But the devil hates that. He hates that. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to put a kernel or a seed of bitterness in your heart. Now, it was just shared this morning. Thank you, brother. For sharing that notice he's he's able to put stuff into people's heart right you just read it this morning it's in there you know all he needs to do is put one little seed of bitterness in your heart and guess what's going to happen to your love bitterness destroys love but i'll share with you kick the bitterness out love the family love the individual and guess what happens you grow and you blossom and you basically steal yourself against the seed of bitterness. Now look at point number two. To persevere, we must rid ourselves of bitterness. Now let's go back to the book of Ephesians now and chapter four at the very end. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, we hear there. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of salvation. You see, what, is it, what does it mean? Well, to grieve the Holy Spirit is to be bitter to be clamorous, to be hateful, to be angry. That grieves the Holy Spirit. That's contrary to who the Spirit is. The Spirit of Christ is not angry. The Spirit of Christ is not gossipy. The Spirit of Christ is not wrathful. The Spirit of Christ is, is not any of those things, not bitter. 
And yet, who's living in you? Spirit of Christ. So, we need to be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit by becoming bitter. Now, what does that word bitter actually mean? The word bitter is caused by distress. It uh, causes sorrow. It causes pain of body and mind. Now, how can we grieve the Holy Spirit, reject his word? I don't want to love anybody. Besides which, you know, the church is just filled with a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> when you say that, be careful because you just might be one yourself. But that's another story. The reality is, is that we need to be really careful about this bitterness. If we harbor bitterness in our hearts, how can you love those who you're embittered against? That's why I say as husbands, don't be embittered against your wife. That's why I say as fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Bitterness. So important that we recognize how important that is in the family. Now notice what it says here. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by rejecting his word, but rather embrace the word and live it out. Notice what he says. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Let, verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice, which means hatred. Lay aside all bitterness. You know what the word bitterness means? It's an interesting word. Pikira comes from the word pica. The word pica means to poke, jab. It means to cut. It means to cause extreme pain. Now, it's not actually talking about taking a knife and jabbing somebody. That's just uh, criminal. It's talking about cutting somebody down emotionally. Cutting someone emotionally. Have you ever known somebody who deliberately tries to hurt somebody emotionally with their words? It's a horrible thing. And so we need to make sure that we do not have any bitterness in us. You know, the, the interesting thing there is when I was looking up the Greek, uh, the word Greek, it means a pine. A pine? Doing a little bit deeper dig, okay? Pine trees have sap. It's, it's the life, basically, the flowing life in a pine tree. Amen? How many of you little kids were told, hey, you know, when I was a kid, I used to eat sap for gum. You ever heard that before? Well, I heard that before. I think maybe the person who told me was waiting for me to try it. <laughs> so guess what? I lived in the mountains with lots of pine trees. I go over and I take a big old chunk of sap. It's gonna, it's you know, it's not gummy. It's or not uh, liquidy. It's a little bit gummy. And says, <laughs> man, I'm telling you what, I couldn't get that terrible bitter taste out of my mouth. <laughs> I mean, I'm just eating stuff and drinking stuff. It's like, oh, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Bitterness gets worse. You can't get it out easily. Now that's a true story. I only had to do that once to realize I don't want to. But every time I look at a piece of, I go, oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay? If somebody tells you that, don't believe them. It's bitter. It's, it, and it doesn't go away. You can't get it out very easily. So, Bitterness defiles many, not just the person who has bitterness. Bitterness defiles many, and it causes people to fall away from God's grace. Let me prove that to you. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Hebrews 12 and verse 15. We're warned about bitterness here in Hebrews 12 and verse 15, and this is a huge warning. Verse 15 says, see to it that no one 
that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up, causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. You see how bad bitterness is? Bitterness is, should not be a part of your life. You know what? If someone says a caustic word, that's on them. That's not on you. Don't let it defile you. If someone does something really cruel to you in the context of the church, and I've had a few of those, and it's defiled me, and it's defiled other people. I've actually seen it, unfortunately, in my life, and I've seen it in other people's lives. It's caustic. It really destroys the momentum and the love and the closeness that happens. So first of all, do not be caustic. Do not be yourself bitter because your bitterness will spill over into other people and then the bitterness grows. It's ugly. Now, I don't think you need to look too far to know what bitterness is all about. Look at James in chapter 3. Uh, James comes right after uh, the book of Hebrews. James chapter 3. Some of you know this, this passage of scripture in James 3, uh, beginning there in verse 13. It says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But look at verse 14. This is where the music changes. Oh, and it goes, bah, bah, bah. and then it, all of a sudden the horror comes out in the movie. How many know what I'm talking about? This verse is the, the horrible one. Oh no, somebody's going to get killed kind of thing, you know? Just so you're with me now. Verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder and every evil thing. I've seen that, brethren, in the body of Christ. When bitterness gets going, it gets ugly. Get bitterness out. If you have been offended by someone, if you've been, been offended by someone, or if you have offended someone, the answer to keeping bitterness out is in point number three. Man, people get offended at the smallest little thing. You know, some people it takes a lot to offend them. But the reality is, is you can get offended by someone. Right? And I, the scripture says, uh, with many words, there is sin. How many know that scripture? You know how many times I've stuck my foot in my mouth as a preacher? Holy mackerel. Talk about gag a maggot. And I would be the maggot in that case because I'm saying stuff I shouldn't say. Man, I know none of you have ever done that before. You've never stuck your foot in your mouth. You've never said anything that was hurtful to anybody just because you're, you know, not thinking about what you're saying. I'm glad that you guys don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Okay? But it happens. And it happens before you know it. How many know once the words are out of your mouth, it's too late? It's like, great, damage is done. So what do you need to do? You need to ask for forgiveness. Eat crow. You already choked on your foot. Eat crow and ask for forgiveness. I mean, seriously, and be honest. Own the stupid thing you said, the evil thing you did. Own it. Confess it and ask for forgiveness. That is going to get the bitterness out. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but that's critical. So bitter jealousy. Finally, look at Ephesians 4.31. Once again, go back there. Get the bitterness out, because you know the bitterness has a bunch of good bedfellows. 
kissing cousins, as it were. And these are not the kind of cousins you want. Okay, it's a wrath, anger, clamor. Clamor and slander are like gossipies, you know, gossiping people. That's the last thing you need. Be put, put away from you, along with, don't forget, put away hatred, malice, hatred. Get that out of your life. Now, you have to make a decision. If someone says something caustic to you, if you allow that to get itself implanted in you, it will destroy your ability to love, to be responsive. It will. I was thinking about uh, telling this other person uh, not too long ago, telling this other person, man, you know you need to really learn to forgive. I mean, in Christ, you really need to learn to give it up. And then I didn't say that to him. But then I started thinking about, wait a minute, you stinking hypocrite. I'm just telling you what was in my mind. There's some folks you need to let it go. I'm saying this in my mind. You need to let it go. So I'm going to go out and tell somebody else, hey, you know, you really need to forgive that person, you know. Wait a minute. It goes both ways. I said, oh. So guess what I've been trying to do? Is reach out to people and say, Man, I was a ding-dong. I was an idiot. I was a jerk. I was a whatever. Would you forgive me? And you know, a lot of people that I've already done that to say, what are you talking about? I don't remember. Whew. But it was chewing on me, and if it was chewing on them, I didn't want to keep us from loving each other and moving forward. Now, let's take a look at my last point. Last point is, to persevere, we must love like Jesus. It's right there in the book of Ephesians and chapter 4 and verse 32. Be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted, forgiving each other. How? Just as God forgave you. Now, it's interesting. Be kind to one another. You know what? You cannot love somebody who is unkind to you. It's really quite impossible. You know what? Every time you do something right, people beat you down and they treat you like trash. It's hard to love them. That should never be in the church. But you know what? I have found that if you're kind, people really appreciate and love you. Now, how do I know that? I think we all know that's true, don't we? Now, a bunch of you went over and helped Jeff with that gazebo. How do you say it, Ryan? How do you say gazebo? Am I saying it right? Okay, good. All right, so anyway, we were talking about how you say gazebo this morning. All right, that's confused a little bit. So a bunch of folks went over to help Jeff with the gazebo because of our love for Jeff and his family. That was an act of kindness. You know, kindness means helpful. Kindness just simply means helpful. All right? There's a time when I remember Eric came over and helped me figure out my son Andrew's car and what kind of thing we needed and this weird ratchet. I still don't know what that ratchet is. But anyway, he came over. He drives, drives all the way out to my house just to go, oh, here it is. It's about, what, three minutes? It's like, but that was a really big act of kindness. By the way, I changed my fuel filter on my truck all by myself. And it still runs. Isn't that amazing? I didn't even have to call you. Wow. What? Yes, you know, miracles can still happen. So anyway, where did that one come from? Oh, your act of kindness. See, it's spilled over. 
Now, the next thing is to be tender-hearted. What does it mean to be tender-hearted? To be tender-hearted. I'll tell you what tender-hearted doesn't look like. When someone has a loved one that passes away. Now, I've had to really work on being tender-hearted. Because tender-hearted means to be compassionate. I used to say this. Some of you know I used to say this. Well, everybody dies, you know. <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? You said that? I'm embarrassed to tell you more than once. That's sick, man. That's sick. Where? I wasn't. I mean, I'm embarrassed. I'm really embarrassed now. You know what? When somebody dies, that's serious. Now, I got to tell you something else. When someone has a pet die, I used to say, all dogs don't go to heaven, they just go into oblivion. Well, that's a really compassionate thing to say, too. Thank you for being tender-hearted. <laughs> that's, that's the epitome of not being tender-hearted. Okay, I'm just saying. And you never, none of you have ever done that before. You've always been always tender-hearted. You've never been insensitive. This is a good thing. I guess this is Bill Compton's confession time. I don't know. <laughs> but you know what's really important? Is that the word tender-hearted means you need to put yourself into their position. You know, when someone has a pet die, now you're going to think I'm a goofball, maybe. I don't know. But we had a dog named Chloe die. My, I bawled my face off. That dog was like my fourth child. <laughs> I'm serious. Sorry, guys. And, uh, you know, to be truth be told, I probably spent more time with Chloe than my sons at that time when Chloe was alive. Well, right, because she was always up every morning bugging me to pet her and stuff. So the reality is, is that, you know what, when somebody has a pet die, I'm okay with calling them and saying, hey, you know what, I know it's painful, it's rough, thinking about you. That's being tenderhearted. You know, when Jesus had his friend Lazarus die, he knew Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead a few days later, so he comes into town. Jesus wept, not because Lazarus had died. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead. He wept because he saw other people hurting. He hurt like they hurt. He hurt like them. That's tender-hearted. You need to learn to be responsive to each other. If someone's hurting, just go, why don't you just grow up and pull up your big boy pants and just deal with it? That's not tender-hearted. I don't care who you are. Just needed to throw that in there. That, that sermon part of the sermon was really for me, honestly. Not for you. I just need to hear that consistently. Look at the next part here. It says, loving is to be forgiving just like Jesus. Loving just like Jesus. Now, that's a salvation issue. Or, sorry, forgiving just like Jesus. That's a salvation issue. Whose salvation? Yours. Whose salvation? other people's because if you don't forgive them there's no reconciliation between you and that person and you will not be able to reach their heart you'll not be able to help them are we in the business of helping people or hurting people come on helping people look you need to extend forgiveness if someone's wronged you you need to extend forgiveness if you've wronged someone as the Bible says, you need to put your offering down, quit playing churchy-churchy, and get over there and, and confess what you did that was evil or wrong or hurtful and ask them to forgive you. They may or may not forgive you, brethren, but you know what you've just done? You set yourself free because you did what was right. 
and you've expressed love and opened the door of reconciliation. Don't go over and say, sorry. Sorry that I hurt you. <laughs> sorry. Sorry doesn't do nothing for people. But when you take ownership of your wrong and you ask them to forgive you, you humble yourself, then reconciliation can take place. And then the relationship can grow from that point. And they can extend you mercy. And when they extend you mercy, then all of a sudden, there's what? Union. Now, if someone absolutely wrongs you evil, you should still forgive them, even if they never asked you to forgive you. You should still forgive them and let it go. That's on them, not on you. It's on them, not on you. But please know that because there's forgiveness, trust still needs to be built. Amen? Trust still needs to be built. I remember a woman came crying to me. She said, you know, I heard that lesson on forgiveness and I just can't forgive my, my brother because of what he did to one of my girls. And I said, oh. I said, well, you can forgive him, but I said, you should never ever trust him with, with, your, with your daughters around. Okay. Now he was spending time in jail. But the reality is, is to trust that guy? That kind of thing, how could you? Now, some other things, when trust is broken, I mean, you can grow that back. But you know what? It takes you a long time to build trust. It only takes one knuckle-headed, stupid thing to break trust. And then how long does it take you to grow the trust back? Longer than it took, right? So just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you should trust them, brethren. They need to prove trustworthy. Amen? Just wanted to throw that in there so we don't go, oh, I'll just forgive everybody and let them mess me over a million times. That's not how that works. Now, walk in love just as Jesus loved. Look at chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us and offering in a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. I'm going to close with this thought. If you don't sacrifice yourself for the brethren when they have a need, if you don't say, you know what, I got time, I'm going to go help. Now, there might be times when you legitimately can't do that because you got other things that have to be done. But if you have time, you know, you know what, I was going fishing today, and I just think I need to go fishing today. And uh, you know what? Really? So who's number one on that choice? I'm not picking on fishermen here. Just throwing that example out there. It's not even in my notes. If you want me to throw another example out there, give it to me and I'll throw it out there and hurt somebody else. I don't know. But the reality is, is that, you know what, if you have time and you have energy and you have resources and ability and somebody has a need in the body of Christ and you say, yeah, I don't really want to get involved in that. I don't want to do that. You're not really loving the brethren, are you? I mean, let's be honest. Love must be manifest in sacrifice of self for the needs of others. Individuals. That's so important. So brethren, you don't want to get rid of bitterness? You sacrifice for people and it's hard to be embittered against them because you love them and you've invested yourself in their life. The more you invest in loving the brethren, the less opportunity the devil has to plant seeds of bitterness. They will not grow. They won't. It's not fertile soil for bitterness. If your heart's overflowing with love, if your heart's overflowing with compassion, if your heart's overflowing with kindness, if it's overflowing with willing to forgive, there is no place for the seed of bitterness to plant itself and grow. Why? 
Because if it goes in there and you're forgiving and being forgiven, if you're tenderhearted and receiving tenderheartedness, if you're loving and being loved. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.